0: This morning's text is found in John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head, the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? She, thinking he was the gardener, said, mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples. I saw the Master, and she told them everything he said to her. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated his greeting. Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, We saw the Master. But he said, Unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time, Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them and said, Peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas said, My master, my God. Jesus said, So, you believe because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. There is a Latin phrase, Uh, If you have been to law school, you know all about it, Uh, and if you did not sleep through civics when you were in middle school or high school, you might also be familiar with it, but we're not going to ask for a show of hands or are we going to give a pop quiz. The Latin phrase is habeas corpus. Habeas corpus means literally produce the body or you shall have the body. Uh, it's a phrase that has come into our legal system because we did not trust tyrants and uh, cruel leaders and uh, those who would take the law into their own hands and they would uh, just hide their political enemies or their detractors uh, away in prison and nobody would ever know where they were. You know, if you, if you kill an enemy, uh, you make that person a martyr and that means you have more problems. And so kings and rulers would just just literally put somebody away. Nobody would ever know what happened to them. They were imprisoned. And in our legal system, uh, we've insisted on habeas corpus, produce the body. Uh, If you're going to uh, arrest someone, you have to produce that person in court. The person's body has to show up in court, and you have to bring charges or let that person go. You shall uh, show the body or produce the body. And uh, if you stop and think about it, that's A a, a brilliant and an elementary step in us understanding uh, that really everything we are is within our body, that that you really can't talk about me or you without talking about our embodiedness, our physicality. Uh, Tom Long wrote a book and he was talking about this concept and he said, you know, if you say old Joe got arrested and he's uh, down in county lockup, uh, that sounds logical, but if you say old Joe's body is in jail, but don't worry, his spirit is free and he's having a great time this week. Tom Long says, it doesn't work that way because I can guarantee you if old, old Joe's body is in jail, Joe's in jail because that's all there is to him, right? Bodies are important. Bodies matter. Have you noticed in the resurrection accounts that you've heard today from Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians that Callie read, and then in the scripture that I just read. Have you noticed how important Jesus' bodily resurrection is in the in the narrative? That it matters a great deal to the Bible writers that Jesus was raised in body. He was physically raised from the dead. Remember there was Mary who tried to hang on to him and and he said, you know, no, you can't do it, it doesn't work that way. And then There there is an enigma about it because even though Jesus was a physical presence, he he just showed up in locked rooms. That's that's a whole other story that we don't have time or intelligence to untangle. Uh, But nevertheless, Jesus was a physical body. His body took up space. He spoke words. He heard. Later in John's gospel, he ate food. So there was a body. And... Uh, We know, of course, the story of Thomas. Now, through the years, Thomas has received a really bum rap. The only thing we know about Thomas is that he doubted. But honestly, he'd been away that Easter morning. And he didn't get to see Jesus' body. And so when they told him the story that Jesus had come back from the dead, Thomas thought they'd been watching an episode of Black Mirror uh, or an old twilight zone rerun or he wasn't sure what he said you just... I... he said habeas corpus produced the body i'm not going to believe it till i see because this is too amazing to be real and later when he had the chance to be with jesus a week later jesus said have at it thomas put your fingers in my hand where the nail scar is put your hand in my side where they put the sword. I'm here physically. Habeas corpus. It mattered to Thomas that Jesus came back from the dead physically, and it should matter to us. Now let me explain to you, you just a little reminder why culturally this was such a countercultural message, why this was so unusual for the culture and time. In Jesus' day, Uh, the Greco-Roman world, the Romans had pretty much bought into Plato's philosophy about soul and body. Plato came out with this school of thought, this approach, and uh, that's Platonism that that some of you have studied in school as well. The idea that the body is just a decaying, uh, not very important container for the eternal soul that all that matters is the pure soul inside. The body is just like an old styrofoam cup that's kind of dirty and not going to last very long and it's not important. I had a seminary professor who explained this very well one time. He said, the Greek thought is, I have a soul. The biblical thought is, I am a soul. Body, mind, spirit all dynamically intertwined you don't get one without the other you don't separate them and you can see that if you really push this Greek platonic idea that a lot of us push it just leads you to think that well I can do what I want with my body because all that matters to God is this little spark inside that's not biblical Jesus was raised physically and actually that's the teaching that started offending the pagans ...in the early Christian centuries. There's a record in A.D. 177 in Lyon, France... ...of followers of Jesus who were slaughtered. They were killed by pagans. And the uh, Roman physician Galen reports this... ...and he says that one of the reasons... ...that the pagans were so enraged against the Jesus followers... ...was that they emphasized the bodily resurrection of Jesus and the the physical resurrection, because they began to understand, if Jesus was raised physically, and God cares about all of our personality, body, life, then the highest allegiance is not to Caesar, but to the Lord. If Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not Lord. And it threatened them. Now, by now, are you a half step ahead of me, and you've figured out, that many of us are much more Greek than we are biblical. We have followed Rome's thinking, and we act as if there is this dichotomy, a false dichotomy between the secular and the sacred. The Bible never talks about that, by the way. There is no division. It's all God's. There is no division between secular and sacred. And, and here's the tidy, convenient way we do this. Okay, God, there's this eternal spark in me, uh, and you can have that because I want to go to heaven when I die. Don't want to go to hell. So, God, you can have the, the spark in me, and, God, you can have Sundays sometimes. Sundays if, you know, chiefs aren't on TV or... Cardinals' tickets, or. But then we say, okay, God, that's your part. Now, God, I keep all the rest my hobbies, my entertainment, that's my stuff. My job, my friends, my sexual behavior, my uh, finances, my ethical and moral choices my politics. These are all mine, but I'm a Christian because I give you that little spark and I give you some Sundays. Not biblical. Not biblical. See, when Paul was writing to the Roman Christians, he would say in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice because he knew... That because of the resurrection of Jesus, God claims all of us, all parts of us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminded us that the resurrection of Jesus is not just to answer the question, where we will go when we die, although I praise God that he does answer that question. Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminded us it's not, the resurre- resurrection is not just about. Answering that question, the resurrection is about renewing us, making us over again, and sending us back out into the world. Sending us back out into the world to be resurrection people. As someone has said, uh, we are called to love this world until God gives us a better one. We're called to love this world until God gives us a better one. Now, all of this brings up an interesting question. People ask me a lot. Will we know one another in heaven? Good question. Not a lot of biblical insight about it. By the way, in Philippians 3, verses 19 and 20, the Apostle Paul says that our resurrection bodies will be like Jesus' resurrection body. That we're going to have a body like our glorious Lord. Now, Will we know one another in heaven? Don't know. Mary did not recognize Jesus, but let's be honest, she wasn't looking for him. And it was dark, and, and she didn't understand. Oh, I've read, I don't know if it's scientifically accurate, that our bodies slough off cells constantly, we shed, and over a period of about seven years, we recycle, and our bodies are new. Isn't that encouraging? You're... You're a new person. You're, you're not what you used to be 10 years ago. That, that we slough off cells. So really, there's continuity of personality. I'm the same me, but my cells have sort of exchanged. This past week, we finally replaced the, my photo on the wall of the pastor's wall out here. Uh, I'm embarrassed. The, the photo that had been up there had been up there about 20 years. Uh, is my high school picture, actually. And... Uh, uh, and I'll I just tell you, I've sloughed off a few million cells since that picture was taken. We put a new picture up. That, and a few of my cells have uh, disappeared in a very obvious place. Uh, I used to use head and shoulders. Now I use mop and glow. You know all the jokes. Just I'll spare you all the, all the fun making. Uh, but I'm the same person, right? Different cells, different biological makeup continuity of personality? I don't know all the answers. The Apostle Paul was very careful to talk about resurrection life being, having an embodied state. He said, we will not be found naked. He wasn't into uh, spirits flitting around, Uh, no matter what you see in cartoons or what you see in movies. We don't turn into ghosts. We don't turn into angels. We don't turn into spirits flitting around. The Apostle Paul talked about being clothed and in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, we will have a spiritual body in heaven. Uh, that's an oxymoron, by the way, a spiritual body. It's both and. It's a mystery. The resurrection body will be a spiritual body. All we know is, from everything Scripture says, our resurrection bodies will be wired for spiritual 220. No, no longer 110. It's going to be wired for 220. We're going to be able to do amazing things, and we're going to live forever. And we won't—there won't be any cancer wards in heaven. There won't be any dying in heaven. Resurrection bodies, is it spiritual bodies? That's that's powerful. Now, the teaching of Scripture about resurrection bodies is not really to satisfy our curiosity about whether we will know Aunt Susie when we get there. Uh, the teaching about the resurrection body is really deeper than that. It is simply to deal with the issue that in raising His Son, Jesus, from the dead, God conquers disease. In raising His Son, Jesus, from the dead, God conquers sickness. In raising His Son, Jesus, from the dead, God conquers all of life's decaying process, and God conquers the ultimate enemy, which is death itself. God wins. God wins. And in the resurrection the word comes the good news comes loud and clear that nothing is beyond God's power to renew or repair or raise up. No matter what has died, no matter what is dead in your faith, no matter the hope that you are giving up on the resurrection means that God is always capable of renewing and repairing and restoring. And the resurrection means that there's absolutely nothing beyond the lordship of Jesus Christ. Remember what Thomas said when he finally saw the body? When he finally said, habeas corpus produced the body, and Jesus said, Here I am. Thomas said, My Lord and my God, my Master the lordship of Jesus Christ is established in Jesus' bodily resurrection. Whoever you are this morning, whatever brought you here today, whatever you are going through, the living Christ wants to live through you. The living Christ wants to be in you to forgive and restore and empower and give your life purpose and forgiveness and strength. The living, risen Christ wants to be in you and through your body, claiming all of you for his glory and for your own enrichment and for your joy. Because the living, risen Christ is all about that kindness and all about that empowering. Because he's alive and he can live through our bodies.